Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 32 for the week of December the 1st, 2017. On this week's episode, we travel to Ebbing, Missouri to check out some billboards. Then we're going to get everybody in the Christmas spirit listing our top five Christmas films. And then we're going to research a mystery. Did Jim Carrey get possessed? By Andy Kaufman. By Andy Kaufman. It's a good chance. Very it, good chance after I've seen that footage. <laughs> this is the film coterie. How are you? How are you, Adam? I'm good. Hey, we're not alone tonight. We are not alone. It's not Matt, but we do have a special co-host. Yes, we want to welcome Holly to the podcast. Hello. It's great to have you, Holly. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us tonight. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Hopefully we didn't... Uh, <laughs> We didn't drive you too crazy, all the movie talk and everything at dinner. And, no, no, yeah. but it was fine. Awesome. And uh, the scary thing, we're getting to know, I know Holly from for several years, but as Adam and I are getting, he's getting to know her better. Dang it, she likes horror films. I do, <laughs> yes. I do, it's true. <laughs> I liked her already. <laughs> uh, what am I going to do? I, I, I need to recruit some more. What, classic film yes. lovers? They're literally a dying breed. <laughs> I, well, this is true. <laughs> so, they just moved the, what classic is up. It gets newer films, you know. Oh. Okay. <laughs> You'd love the Gateway this month if you haven't looked at their lineup with the holiday naughty or nice list. They're playing yeah. a ton of older stuff. Well, some of that good may, older stuff. Some of that may end up on my top five for uh, it's all said and done. So, it's what's been happening, man. What's been going on, Adam? Oh, well, starting to do some holiday shopping. Uh, did Did you see Infinity War trailer? I did thoughts it's overwhelming i don't even know what to make of it yet there's so much going on and we don't really know the story and there's a it reminded me a little bit of phantom menace when you see the two armies racing towards each other in wakanda in the trailer it brought back maybe a little bad idea of the battle droids versus the gungans now holly have you had a chance to see the trailer yet for infinity war i don't think so okay well i, I gotta say it looks awesome and I loved the little, you know, as Marvel does, they give you a whole movie in a minute and a half trailer. Because there's even a post-credit. <laughs> yes, there is. There's even a post-credit. We're now getting stingers in the trailer. So we're now getting stingers in the trailer. And we're going to meet up with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And Doctor Strange and, and Spider-Man. It's like everybody is, it's like a big gumbo of superheroes <laughs> coming together, man. I'm telling you. Wow. There's just going to be superheroes in the background. I don't know if everyone's even going to get lines in now, this movie. Now, Adam, what's this, who's this villain? What's he called again? Thanos. The mad I wanted to call him Thanatos. but that Thanatos. <laughs> no, Thanos. I think that's something in your food. <laughs> yes. Maybe not it sure. is. I'm not sure. He's not Thermos. He's not Thanatos. He's, He's Thanos. Thanos, the mad titan. Now, I got to say, I'm telling you, I'm calling him out right now. He looked pretty CGI when he came out. He's a 10-foot tall purple dude, so... Mm. Unless they're going to cast the mountain from Game of Thrones. Yeah, but when they do like, you know, Hellboy and stuff, he's prosthetics and, you know. And, and six feet tall, six five. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little, I'm, I hope that I hope Marvel's not going to jump the shark with this movie is all I got to say. Well, at least they made it to the end. This is the pinnacle of what they've been working for <laughs> since the first Iron Man. So I'm just going to say maybe it will get better and maybe I just got to kind of get used to it. But I just, was that, that Thanos, I don't know. He's looked a little purple purple to me yeah <laughs> well holly so we watch movies we go to the theater a lot and you were telling us earlier you can't really get out no i i have a son mm -hmm. and um he's 11 um he, so he's getting to, to that age where i can start to get out a little bit more and so i would like to see more movies and 
uh, get out there and see what's actually going on in the world. So what are your Hollywood? (laughs) What are your viewing habits like right now? What do you watch at home? Um, well, uh, when I have a chance, I will watch maybe a, a TV show on Netflix. Um, I do tend to go to the horror side. Absolutely. Yes. yes. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I'm it's wa- the only rational thing to do. I'm watching Slasher and... Um, that's on Netflix, right? Yeah, that's yep. on Netflix. And then um, I watched um, like a historical true crime drama type uh, documentary um, called The Galapagos Affair. And that was we turtles or it, something. No, it was not about turtles. <laughs> it was. A, it might as well have been. But these uh, folks moved to the Galapagos to to shun society, and then all kinds of crazy things happen. And you, yeah. you got to see it. It's good. Maybe that's a new genre right now. Everyone's doing Icelandic murder mysteries. Okay. Like Snowman, and there's uh, Fortitude on Amazon. It's big. You know, mur- cold murder. I don't know why it's big, but maybe Galapagos will be next. Yeah, maybe. For tons of murder mysteries well, the, coming out in yeah, that region. They say the turtles can curse you, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, Holly, we are so glad you're here with us tonight, and uh, we hope you have fun, have a good time. You know, uh, Holly asked me, she said, well, what qualifications do you have to have to do a movie <laughs> podcast? And I told her, well, first of all, none, because Adam and I are doing it, you know. <laughs> but secondly, if there's any qualifications, all you have to do is love movies, have an opinion. So I can do that. She said, I can do that. So we said, come on, be on the podcast with us. So we're so glad you could join us. Uh, so glad you could join us, man. It's been great. And uh, uh, man, let's. I'm ready to jump into our movie. Are you guys You're ready? itching to talk about three billboards. Mm. I am itching to talk about yeah. three billboards. And we haven't really talked about it yet, so I don't know your thoughts on this one. I'm, I'm curious. Yep. Well, anyway, this is the Film Coterie Podcast. Let's jump right in. Let's give you a little snippet of three billboards. We'll be right back after the music. Hey, you. What the hell is this? Advertising, I guess. I could arrest you right now if I wanted to. Before you do that, how about you go have yourself a look at that first billboard over there? So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks and eating Krispy Kremes to solve actual crime. Dixon, I'm in the middle of my god Easter dinner. Sorry, kids. I know, Chief, but I think we got kind of a problem. Sunshine beating on a good time. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like Willoughby, some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. I saw you on TV the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you look good. I mean, you came across really good. I think I got loose again in my pants. <gasps> Father Montgomery. Hey, Film Coterie fans, uh, Roger and Adam and Holly here. Before we jump into our second segment, I just want to let you know right up front, uh, we didn't necessarily intend to do this, but we did get into some spoiler territory with the movie. I think you're going to be really safe with the first couple minutes, um, but I just we don't spoil the movie at all, but we do mention some key elements about the movie. So if you are really against spoilers, I would recommend that you just fast forward and after you see the movie, check it out. Okay, we're back. And the movie we're discussing tonight is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. The third film from writer-director Martin McDonough, Irish-English uh, director, and he's decided to spin a yarn for us in the Deep South. Ebbing, Missouri. I don't know what drew an Irishman to tell a tale in the South, but he did. Um, if you haven't seen his other works, it include uh, In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. So this is his third feature-length film. 
And and let me just say this, you know, up front. Um, I really like this director a lot. Um, I've he's seen, a screenwriter. He's a playwright too. Playwright, yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I saw um, in Bruges and loved it. A- Adam told me it's so funny, Holly. Adam's like, no, there's this movie you got to see called In Bruges, and it's got Colin Farrell in it. And I was like, oh God, I don't want to <laughs> see a Colin Farrell movie, right? And he's like, no, 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 you got to see In Bruges. It's about this Irish hitman. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So, but I loved it. Did I not rave about it on the podcast? Right? Yes. I mean, just love this I'll movie. Have to see it. Has a lot of heart, emotional heartstrings. It's funny. I've never rooted for a hitman before. You know, never felt kind of drawn to him. You know, like man, come on. But anyway, I, I like this movie. So then I thought, well, you know, this movie's coming up. I'll see Seven Psychopaths. I watched it. Great movie. Sam man. Rockwell, Woody Harrelson. Yes, a lot of the same cast yeah. that's in this movie. And so um, I got to say, I'm still processing three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. It's still rolling around in my head. Yeah. You know, I, I, walked out of the, I walked out of the theater and I said, and then I, I got some reaction from the folks coming out. I, I said, I'll give you guys $20 if you can tell me who's the villain of this movie. And it's like... <clears throat> One thing about one thing for certain about Martin McDonough that he does is that he knows how to make a character so shades of gray, so black and white, and one minute you're hating this character, and then another minute you're like, oh, yeah, I just don't know how he does it, man. It's incredible. All his movies are character pieces. So they're not so much plot dependent as they are kind of character studies. You're watching these characters grow, maybe shrink, change their motives, just evolve a little bit. So, I mean, you're, like I said, you're not really in it for the plot so much as just the experience of watching these characters unfold and grow before you. Definitely not in for, in, in for the plot, I no. would say. You, no. So, so Holly, what was your reaction coming out of the theater? I, I kind of felt like when you, when you go to Wendy's and you get a salad and they forget to give you the pecans... I kind of felt like that. I felt like I was missing something, like some vital piece was missing it, you know, but okay. you know, that was my Sure. That's absolutely. what I'm thinking right now, but it's still rolling around in my head too. Yeah. yeah. And, and and you know, maybe it's because he doesn't make plot that big of a th- it's really character studies. He wants you True. he wants you to invest yourself in these people and who they are. And as soon as you think you like them, they're gonna do something that kind of turns you off mm-hmm. as soon as you think that, oh that's a wretched person i hate that guy they do something very redeeming and and i've never i mean i'm sure there are a lot of other directors that do this in other yeah. movies that do this it's not a new thing but this guy he this director just gets it right he mm-hmm. he gets it somehow you know um but i could I, I i think your reaction holly is going to be a very popular reaction people are going to walk out of that theater because the two girls that when I made mm-hmm. that comment, they're like, "Yeah, right." You know, I mean, what what was that movie all about? Right. You know. Yeah, I there wasn't like a a resolution for mm-hmm. everything that you would expect under normal circumstances. It's right. like it's like he cuts a slice of the story and just gives that yeah. to us. Yeah. You know, we're, in America, we're so used to the, just getting the whole pie. You know, getting the, right. having the whole thing. He just cuts a little section of it out and hands it here. You know, and, and I want to spoil this movie so bad. It, yeah. You know, I, there's so many things I want to say about spoiling this movie because, like, there's one point in the movie where you're rooting everything in you that a certain thing happens. Mm-hmm. 
And then you're like, ah, oh, you serious, you know? Come on, give me, just give me a little nugget here. Give me a crumb here, you know? And along with that, um, these movies take you on just a roller coaster emotion. You're one minute, you're kind of sad, and then you're laughing at something else. And the comedy is never normal comedy. It's pitch black, dark comedy. I liked it. Yeah, the comedy always works in this movie. This isn't as funny as Seven Psychopaths or In Bruges, no, but I, yes. I think that's the point. The comedy here hits for the most part, and it's, yeah, go ahead. This movie's much more dramatic. Yes. But even at that, he gut punches you, and while you're still trying to work through that, mm-hmm. he's like throwing jokes at you, and you're fi- I was fighting back, and I'm like, I can't laugh now. I'm still trying to process what I just watched. Right. Dramatically. Right. He's also the only director I know that would actually have a scene of kind of intense domestic violence out of nowhere and then throw in a comedic scene of a, a younger woman coming into the room and being afraid she interrupted something. And it, mm-hmm. it, it lessens the tension. It works. But you still saw what you needed to saw that, see that this and Francis McDormand characters experience some bad things. And, and in that same scene, before you can even take a breath, yeah, there's tears being shed. Yes. <laughs> and it goes right to the heart of it. I mean, really... He goes right to the soul of these people. Mm-hmm. You're right. I mean, when you think about that scene. <laughs> that that know, scene is a microcosm for this whole movie. It is for the yeah. whole movie because you learn a lot about the backstory of the characters through their actions. Even the son kind of jumping in to defend the mom. And then you learn some truly terrible stuff at the end of what may have happened, what may have saved this girl's life. If We haven't discussed the plot of the movie yet. It's bare bones. Um, a young girl has died. She was raped and murdered. There's been no killer found or discovered. The mother is Frances McDormand. She's been frustrated by the process. So she pays for these three billboards, hence the title, that accuse the chief of doing nothing. Why? How come, Chief Willoughby? Is what the last billboard says. Yeah. So that's the basic plot. It's a movie very much about escalation of violence and the search for justice. And I mean, there's so many themes in here that you really can't pin it down. And that's the thing. If you ask someone what three billboards is like, what other movie? I don't know. I can't think of one. Uh, I, I, of I, I'm the exact same. And that's saying something because you see a lot of movies, Adam. So yeah, there's nothing that leaps to my mind. I don't feel so bad because I, I remember thinking, I don't think I've ever had this kind of experience at a movie theater before. That roller co- And it's not it's not roller coaster done real cheaply. You know what I'm saying? Like roller coaster just to say, I'm going to take your emotions and take them high, then take them low and take them. He's telling a story of very interesting people that are very complicated, that are very layered, that have are very flawed, yet have redeeming qualities about them. I mean, let, let's just let's just talk about. Let, let me mention some of the actors in, in in this movie. Give me your thoughts about their performances as you could. Let's start with Frances McDormand. What do you think, Adam? From all the movies I've seen this year, I'd say for me, she's the clear front runner for maybe a best actress nomination out of this movie. And the only other one I know would be nominated is probably Sayorzy Ronan from Lady Bird. But I'd, I'd give it to Francis between these two. This is a powerhouse performance. Yep. Hollywood. I can't imagine anyone else doing it. What did you it. think about her, her role and what she did in the movie? I thought she was great. And in that scene we were talking about with the domestic violence, that I mean, she showed a lot of emotion there. And you're, you're kind of wanting that from her throughout the movie. And then she, she gives it to you in that scene and kind of gives you more of that um, character development. Yeah. Mm. One of the things I loved about her portrayal was her use of restraint with emotion as the movie went on. And she could have really easily fallen into a trap of, 
heartstring time, I'm going to break into tears. But if you notice her performance, as the movie went on toward the end, she became numb almost. Mm-hmm. And even in the end, she's not like just tearing up at the drop of a hat anymore. They're, they're, I mean, it, it, it really is the performance is outstanding. Mm-hmm. And she's we, very collected. And we don't know what she was like when she before all this happened. We mm-hmm. only have an understanding of her after yeah. these terrible incidents. After you know her husband abused her, after their daughter had died, we have this woman now that wears coveralls even to a nice dinner. I noticed that all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, and and she has part of her head shaved. Yep. Yeah. No makeup. I mean, never. Just, and the whole yeah. time I'm thinking he intentionally shoots her over the shoulder, mm-hmm. so you're looking at. Top hair pulled up, but shaved around the mm-hmm. bottom. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, what's that about? What's going on It makes on you wonder, like, is that a reaction to, to, did she, you know, sometimes when something traumatic happens to you, you tend to do something really crazy, like, yeah. you know, sell your house, sell your car, cut your hair off. You and know? we don't have any answers here. No, the we uni- don't. The uniform is wonder. interesting because when I first saw this movie, and I, I did, this is my second time seeing it. So I have a little bit of an advantage over the two of you. But you wonder, at first, when you see her, is she a welder? Is she a mechanic? Right. What's with this jumpsuit? She works in a gift store. Exactly. Right. So there's exactly. no... Is it just part of her tough facade? I mean, it's, it kind of is. It's that. Because that's a tough outfit. And I kind of think maybe that's how she gets through life. She doesn't even want to think about what to wear in the morning. She mm-hmm. just wants to march ahead. Right. And just put it on and get out of the house, go to work, do whatever she needs to do. But it's an interesting character piece that we have no answers because to. Because her hair looked different and longer in the mm-hmm. scene where she was... Um, the the flashback, so to speak. Yeah, the one flashback and scene. Her, she looked softer. You're right. I didn't catch that. She looked that. softer. Yep. Her hair was longer. She, she had more emotion on her face, more facial expression in terms of smiling. More normal clothes. More normal clothes, like doing like normal oh, like that's mom things. Oh, a good things. catch, Holly. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't. I I had I never made the connection, but as you're saying that, I'm that movie. I'm replaying it, and you're exactly right. I mean, she was joking around with her kids and, and inappropriately and, and but appro- that's her, that's inappropriately her but um and and accepting things as a joke that the as she is later after you know everything happens i don't think her character would think that was very funny at all right you know sure so so we're all thumbs up on francis mcdormand oh, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. what about um some of the other characters let's go to woody harrelson next Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, what did you think about? He played Chief Willoughby. What mm-hmm. did you guys think about his performance? I'll let someone else jump in first here. What do you think? What did you think, Holly? Um, I thought I thought he did a. I mean, he tends to. I've only seen him in a couple movies, but he seems to always play sort of a same kind of character in some ways, kind of the same kind of demeanor. But I think he did um, an excellent job, and you know, considering the circumstances of his character, he really portrayed that. In that movie, I think, and 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 kind of like you said, you you initially before you meet the character, you you want to you already don't want to like him, mm-hmm. you know, he's on the billboard, yeah. But then you get to know him through through um, Woody's portrayal, and you uh, one of the things I found interesting, I thought his performance was great, but one of the things I found real interesting was I used to have a certain expectation about Woody Harrelson. He's either going to be the the goofball, hard young punk, and you know, white man can't jump or whatever, you know, or he's going to devolve into just this hard kind of sinister kind of character kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But here lately, he's like transformed himself as yeah. an actor. True detective. True detective. He, yeah. you know, there's empathy there, and I, I still found myself expecting him to be the. Oh, he's going to be hard nosed and a little bit edgy, and he he could he carries that presence, but he does. 
but he was such a, a, a genuine good person. Yeah, and that's the twist. Is if you that, see the trailers, the yeah. and it's early in the movie, so it's not like a late movie twist. No, no, but no. You it's like in the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah, so you don't know this character. Is the chief lazy? Is he corrupt? Is he mm-hmm. hiding something? You know, was it another cop that did it? There's none of that in the movie. This this is a police chief that wishes he could solve this crime. He, I always, I still think he always kind of comes off initially with the same. Aw shucks, kind of. Yeah, kind of like that, all shucks, and then putting somebody in their place kind of attitude. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it turns around. And something interesting I caught more on the second time is he's such a crucial character to the story that his role, there's a moment and there's a shift in the movie. He actually reveals the secret core to every character through some letters he writes. Right. These are all great touching letters. I mean, really well-written letters. But each letter actually reveals the true core of each character. So at yeah. some point, he sees the the good, the bad, whatever in each character, and he, he you know tells them something about themselves that maybe they didn't realize. And more so with Dixon, mm-hmm. we can jump to that character next. It's Sam Rockwell plays Jason Dixon. Yeah, and I, and I'll jump in here. For me, he was the star of the movie. I I I, I just loved his character. I loved the journey that his character went on. I think it was a, if he does not get nominated for an Oscar, I will be disappointed. To me, it was the best performance. I mean, Francis McDormand is the pillar around which the movie is. See, yeah. for me, Francis McDormand was the pillar around which the movie was built. You know, she's the foundation of it. Yeah. Then you've got Dixon, um, or not Dixon, but the uh, Willoughby, Woody Harrelson character. He's the vehicle that causes the movie to move along, right? Yeah. But then Dixon just shines in this movie. He is it's a he he don't have to carry the film. He don't have to make sure it moves along. He can actually just be hit, be that character. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a, an incredible performance. I, I mean, my my thoughts from the time I first saw that dude to the end of the movie. I, I've just never been <laughs> miles on, apart. I've never been on a journey like that before. Yeah, never. And I usually will be a little bit like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know. But no, I mean, I, I bought in hook, line, and sinker with this movie, man. So Dixon, so you get a brief idea of the character. He's kind of your worst nightmare for a cop. He's unintelligent. He's brutal. Uh, he likes to abuse authority. He's racist. Uh, there's no good characteristics there. But here's no. the thing, and this is why it's important. All the cops wonder. They even say... Know, 10 minutes into the movie, Chief, why do you keep this guy around? No one sees Dixon. But Woody Harrelson does. Oh, man, I'm getting tore up just having yeah. thinking about we it. We see him the same way at the end of the movie that Woody Harrelson has seen him. Yep. So that's I think a that's, a, that's a really cool thing about this movie. And, and there was a point in the... And, oh, I can't get into that. Okay. Erg. There was a point in this movie where I was about to get it walk out Really? If Dixon oh. has, if, if something happened with Dixon, I was going to get up and leave the theater. I mean, I was literally that invested in his character. Okay. And they didn't go there. I'll tell you off the air what it was. I know what it is. Oh, you know what it was. Then. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> but I was like, if this happens, no, and it, it wasn't that. No, that's the other thing that could have, but it wasn't that. No. But I know what you're talking about. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you guys telepathic? I'm sorry. Folks. I think we're actually not communicating at all oh, at this okay. point. We're just wildly <laughs> guessing at what the other one's thinking and completely wrong. But anyway, I loved his character. Are there any other standout performances for you guys? Uh, the rest are just minor characters. Peter Dinklage is in this movie. He's good in a few scenes he's in. 
Uh, but he's just he's just window dressing in the movie. I did notice that um, the um, Woody Harrelson's character Willoughby's wife is Australian. Yeah. How'd she get there? I just would in like Missouri. to know that. She, how'd she get to Missouri? But so, it just I don't know. Like so I, I, just, I did notice yes, that. Yeah. I have yeah. some questions. Maybe I'm out of the loop. One thing that I thought was interesting. So they're in Ebbing, Missouri, out in the Midwest. I haven't looked. Is it a real place? I don't know if it is or not, but I know Missouri. I've traveled through Missouri many times. I have, for work, I have been in Missouri all over the place, you know? Uh, And I've been through Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, that whole Ozarks, the whole nine yards. I've been through there. Do you think they really talk like that with that foul language in, in, in the Midwest like that? I mean, maybe I'm just a little bit, but I'm thinking, that was the only thing I was like, I mean, it doesn't bother me that they swear like that, but really, you think in a small town in middle America, everybody just talks that way? I don't know. Um, or do you think he's trying to do something, he's making a statement about it? I think on some level, they yeah. do. A lot okay. of... I think so. I, I grew up in a small town, not in that area, but so I can see why you would question, especially that area. No, no but yeah. I'm, I'm saying like talking to the police officers like that oh yeah well, that i can see they all know each other it's a microcosm yeah, yeah it's a small small town and if you're that mad and she would say something else she wouldn't say mad no. the character <laughs> and just think they say, know each other so yeah i mean they, they know they've probably seen each other grown like, up you know like a family aren't mm-hmm. they it's like i mean this town has two watering holes maybe so they see each other at the bar mm-hmm. i mean dixon's an alcoholic so the people have to deal with them all the time there, swagging yeah, around I the bar and, and so. he had an episode or an incident where he um tortured someone i yep. don't think that's, that's not a, in the movie that's, but that's all the people know about it yeah it's not in the right it's yeah. not a part of the movie but um everyone knows yeah um so yeah okay. i mean maybe they do well, i just wondered i was just like wow okay but again it's written by an irishman i, I don't know how much experience and solo <laughs> writing credit mcdonough writes all of his movies by himself no other co-writers or anything else yeah hmm. other thoughts about the movie i want to jump in on the score there's a soundtrack and a score to this movie yes. The score is interesting because I would classify it as neo-Western. Hmm. While this movie is not a Western, the themes of revenge, the search for justice, are as pure a Western theme as you can get. If this was shot in the Old West and this was a mother out for friends, she'd grab her six-shooter, grab her repeating rifle, and jump on a horse. So yeah. again, this is not a Western, but I think the kind of choices of the score are more for theme than the uh, flow of the movie. Okay. What do you think, Holly? I, I really liked it, um, and I, I agree with you. And I, I never really thought too much about it being neo-Western, but I see what you're saying. And um, I don't know. I thought it was good in terms of how they put together the, the score with it. What about the song selections? I'm not, I, you know. I, I, I'm not great at music. I like the soundtrack, and I'll probably look into it. There's a couple yeah, songs. I'm sorry. I I, maybe I misunderstood. I thought that's what we were talking about. Scores the orchestral part. Okay, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and I'm talking about the actual songs that play. Actual song. The, oh, okay. You know, um, they resonate with either of you guys because I mean, I you know, I thought thematically the words they were singing kind of went along with what was going mm-hmm. on, but it didn't. They didn't resonate with me. But I'm not a big music guy. So. Yeah, I like the music, the actual songs. Yeah, and if you watch it again, the two western themes and the score part, there's a sad theme when things aren't going so well and whenever something's about to kick in the high gear with the violence or anything else, it's really the get up and go Western theme. Hmm. So. Okay, cool. Well, final thoughts on the movie. Everyone knows I love this movie. I already posted on Facebook. This, 
my top 10 is gonna be hard to pick this is in my top five and maybe top three i don't see it getting knocked wow. out i flat out love this movie wow what do you think holly i really really liked it um i wouldn't say you can go see it and expect to come out with a typical movie experience but that's what makes it great that's really good that's a great observation um yeah i'm in mean the same thing too with this movie i i, I to say you loved it is not correct but it, it, this is one of the most engaging movies I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I saw, I'm going to go see it again. I, I have to go see this movie again. Just to, now that I know the story, I can actually follow what's going on with these characters and stuff. Because there is some flat out awesome performances in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, acting wise, it's just great. So I'll say yeah. it's actually harder to watch the second time in terms of emotional impact when you know things are coming. Oh. The leading scenes are actually harder to watch. They're more effective. Oh man, um, that, there's one scene in particular that just gets you. You know, you know yep. which one I'm talking I about. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, overall, okay. very good. So you think this will end up in your top ten? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah my I don't top have a doubt for sure. It'll definitely end up in my top 10 because I don't have 10. (laughs) So Awesome. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. When we come back, we're going to get into our top five Christmas films. Kind of shift gears and get into the holiday spirit here. You're listening to The Film Coterie. All right, and we're back, and hopefully that music got you in the Christmas spirit. All right, so we thought it would be fun to do just a real quick top. What is our top five Christmas films? Favorite. Favorite Christmas film. These aren't the movies we think are best. They just happen to be personal favorites of ours for our top five list. Absolutely. So I think I'll just start start us off, if that's okay. So my, sure. num- my number five film was put out in 1984. I'll be surprised if it's on any of you guys' lists. But it is a Christmas Carol, and it is the uh, George C. Scott version of a Christmas Carol. Now it's kind of cheesy. It's kind of eighty-ish. It's not a very good movie. I'm gonna be honest with you. But dude, I watched it when I was like a teenager, and I just kind of got hooked on it, you know. So um, it would not normally be in my um, regular top five of what I think are the best five Christmas films. But I gotta say, it's a favorite. I watch it. Every year. If it works for you, it works for I'm you. I'm telling you. Is it part of your tradition then to watch this? I don't watch it with the... I watch it by myself usually. Oh, I don't okay. even watch it with in the, the basement. <laughs> usually in the basement, you know, after everybody's <laughs> asleep. I'll... Let me watch Christmas Carol alone. <laughs> <laughs> how, how about... Let's go. How about you, Holly? What's your number five? Um, my number five is The Muppets Christmas Carol. Nice. I think that was in 92. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great classic. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of fun. I like it when the Muppets do the Christmas Carol. You Absolutely. Know? Who doesn't love the Muppets, right? Right. You know, I think I love every version of Christmas Carol except with humans because I like the animated one too that Disney oh. did. Yeah, Was that yeah. with Mickey, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. The Mickey yeah. Christmas I Carol, that. the Muppets Christmas Carol. I have the Mickey Christmas Carol as well too. So mm. awesome. Adam, you're number five? Yes. First, I have a caveat. Okay. I have a runner up. And the only reason it's not on my list is that it's not available anywhere. So it was at Nightmares Film Festival this year. It was called She Was So Pretty, Be Good for Goodness Sake. It's oh, Christmas yeah. horror. <laughs> it's currently on the festival circuit. Yep. 
and I will be purchasing this one when I can, when it's available online. So yeah. that's, I just want to give that one, and it was only disqualified because you can't own it right now until it completes the festival run. Awesome. But my number five is Krampus. The I want to see that. It's good. I liked it. I've never seen it. Of course. <laughs> and we don't do movie homework anymore, so I can't force you to watch Krampus. Yes. But this is a good little dark Christmas fairy tale with a horned Santa, cloven hoofs, and evil toys, so it hits all the buttons. It's right up my alley. I gotta oh, watch that. Yes, you need to watch Krampus. No words. Well, you expected this. <laughs> I did. Okay, Adam, <laughs> let's go back around the other direction. What's your number four? Rare Exports. Oh, I, I, I have seen that film. Yes, yeah. it's, uh, I want to say Scandinavian. Yep. Did you say it's Rear Exports? <laughs> what? <laughs> that would that would be an interesting title for a movie. Rare. Rare. Okay. Rare Exports. Not Rare. Rear, not rear, rear. Exports. <laughs> oh, crap. This is the wrong list. Wrong list. Wrong list. I'm so embarrassed. I love rare it. Exports. Holly, we should have had you on months ago. Yes. This is great. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I really thought that's what you said. <laughs> should have just gone with it. I was trying to make connections to Christmas in my mind. His and list it wasn't is going happening. to an interesting place. Yeah. <laughs> Rare exports. Awesome. About a giant evil Santa Claus that we need to keep frozen forever. Yes, because if he gets unthawed, he re- he he unleashes hell on everybody around <laughs> and him. And the weird little elves. Yes, oh, they're all great. naked. There's so much male nudity in this movie, but it's not <laughs> oh, rare exports. And I think it's actually somehow PG-13. There yep. you go. Yeah. Okay, Holly, you're number four. Um, it'd be Gremlins. I just saw um like a little. I I saw it tons of times when I was little. I had it on beta. Um, and would watch it over and over again, and um, just saw a little bit of it um, a couple weeks ago, and it's a little. Um, I didn't realize how kind of it's kind of silly, but yeah. it, it goes. It, it's funny. It's good. I love the puppets. It's not CG. It's a bygone yeah. era. The puppets really work in this movie. And yeah. who didn't want Gizmo when they were a I kid? I know, right? This is one that's ripe for a remake. Not even a remake. Just a new movie. Gizmo can go home. Use puppets. No CG. I think the world could use more Gremlins. I. I I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I agree with you. Absolutely. Well, my number four is a little bit different part of the ballpark there. <laughs> it is uh, Cary Grant, Loretta Young. Not surprised. David Niven, and it's the original Bishop's Wife, 1947. Love this film. I watch it every year. Uh, it's a family tradition. We watch it every year. Uh, and it's. I, it would also be on my top five. It, well, it was on my top five of just great classic Christmas films love the story of the bishop's wife. So hmm. that I've not seen. You might have more on your list that I've not seen versus you not Cary seeing them Grant online. Plays an angel, and there it's a, a pastor who has lost his way and lost the. He has he's pursuing uh, a golden great giant cathedral over really what I guess you would say his calling is in life or whatever. And it takes Cary Grant as an angel. To show him the way. It's a great, great, great Christmas film. All right, I'll go ahead and do my number three since we're into the my role here. Mine is same year, nineteen forty-seven, <laughs> Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Okay, now, have you guys seen that? Yes. When I was a kid. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> but neither of you seen The Bishop's Wife, right? No, never heard of it. <laughs> oh, my heart hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. It's all good. Uh, the Bishop's Wife was directed by George Seaton, um, stars Maureen O'Hara, my favorite female ac- actor. This is Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah, Miracle, what, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, yeah, yes, not The Bishop's Wife. Yep. 
But uh, I just I just love the story. Again, a story of a woman who just does not believe in Christmas and tells her daughter it's foolishness, and Santa Claus goes to change her mind. So, yeah, great film. Uh, my number three is Gremlins. We already talked oh, about it. Yeah. It's on my list. I, I like this movie quite a bit. And like I said, I'm pro-Gremlins. We can make more of these movies. But anti-Gizmo? No, I'm pro-Gizmo. You're pro-Gizmo. Okay. Yeah, Gremlins is a franchise. Okay, gotcha. Awesome. Now, these guys, if you get them wet... They multiply. Yes. And then if you feed them after midnight, they turn greenish, black, and evil. Yes. How do they drink? How do they hydrate and survive? Hmm. If they, Aren't they reptilian? Do they need no. to hydrate? Well, the gremlins are kind of reptilian, but Gizmo's not. No, he's like a furry little... Yeah, he's cute. Uh, Cutie. Furby. Furby, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how they drink. It's a good question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll be pondering that late at night. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, so my number three is the Santa Claus. Right? With Tim Allen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I liked that one. That would be my honorable mention. We've already watched that one this year. And that's one we watch every single year with the family. So Yeah, that's Were there three sequels to this franchise? There were too many, probably. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, the first one and the second one were really good. The third one just kind of goes off the rails. Like Evil Brother territory. Yeah. It's... Mm. it's, Well, I think um, one of the other... one of the other holidays comes to mess with him or something. So, yeah, it's it just goes bad. Uh, hmm. Holly, you want to do your number two, and we'll go back around this way? Uh, my number two is Polar Express. Great film. Yeah, I like that. We watch it every year. Awesome. I, yeah. Absolutely. A good one. Adam, your number two? Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Man, why do these all sound like porn titles? <laughs> it, hey, it's your list. We're not here to judge. This is a Shane Black movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. I've seen it. Very yeah. funny. Very much a Christmas movie. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. It's fun. It's one of the last good movies Val Kilmer was in. I haven't really seen him in much after that. And it, it launched. If this had not happened, Robert Downey wouldn't have become Iron Man. Wow. This put him back on the radar for that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, my number two came out in 1989, and it stars Chevy Chase, and it is Christmas Vacation. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's on every list, right? Absolutely. It's like the start of our, our holiday season every single year. It's Thanksgiving. We eat the turkey, all of that. Bam! Christmas vacation comes on. My kids, my, for many years, like my kids couldn't watch it, right? Because it's like I think it's PG thirteen, or maybe it's R now, but it was PG thirteen in the eighties. Who knows about the rating scale? Who knows? Yeah. But um, oh, my kids love it, and they laugh and how, and I love it. So that's my number two. Adam, back around to you. Everyone, do their number two. I'm on my number one now. Kiss, oh, kiss. Let, me, let me do my number one yep. then. We'll, we'll go back around. Of course, y'all know what my number one is. It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart. Hit 1946. The, hit the snoring button. The greatest, One of the greatest films of all time. Instant classic. A thousand years from now, they won't, be, they won't remember Gremlins, <laughs> but they will remember It's a Wonderful Life. Because <laughs> of the hieroglyphics <laughs> on the walls of our civilization. <laughs> Now, let me point this out. You just did a whole episode on this movie. I did a whole entire episode on this film. And I was not on that episode. You were not. And Kevin called you out, didn't he? I'm a known detractor of this movie. (laughs) Yes, you are. So, I was persona non gratis. You have seen it, though, correct? Yes. So, in the spirit of all fairness, I'll give you 30 seconds, 20 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I'll hold my time for a a full-length episode and I can really... (laughs) Dig into my beef with It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Absolutely. 
Number one's then? Love Actually. Uh, this is a movie I do watch every year, and it's the only movie on my list that actually has some part of the story involving porn, because two of the couples in this movie are <laughs> body stand-in doubles, and they meet on a set. But this is a Hugh Grant movie. and My wife loves it. I it's, love this it's, movie, it's, too. It's, it's, we have to watch it every year. And now Tori loves it. It's just crazy. It might yeah. be the best Christmas movie with some strange adult elements in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I've never seen that one either, so... Um, <laughs> My uh, number one is Christmas Vacation, and I disagree with you, Roger. I think that when, you know, thousands of years from now, when they, they're going to find Christmas Vacation everywhere on you know DVDs. What? I think probably, I, I'm not even going to argue with you. I think, I there's, think that's, a good, there's a good chance you're right. Mm-hmm. They're going to see Cousin Eddie and be like, that's, that's good that's riddance. What, that's they're going to say that, good riddance. That's what the human race was all about. <laughs> And there's no mention by any of us of a Christmas story, is it? Because TBS has worn us out on it. I, my husband has worn me out on it. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, and he's going to kill me for saying that. It's but not I can't even watch honorable mention for me. I've yeah. never just been yeah. a fan. I know that's sacrilege to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I've just never been a fan of a Christmas story. I, I watch it every year, you know, involuntarily. Yeah, but it's always on. It's, it's yeah, it's on always on. And then we put it, and my husband puts it on the, the TV, and and so I watch it. But um, it's just never really. Here's a weird fact about this movie, and maybe it's just me. You know how you drop a cat and it lands on its feet from varying heights? Yeah. When you turn on a Christmas story, why is it always on the slide scene with the Santa pushing him down the slide on his face? That's always the scene that's on when you tune Mm -hmm. in on TBS, and I don't know why that is. Yeah. I don't know. It's the scary Santa. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our top five list. Do you agree? Do you disagree with this? Do you have a different film? Did we totally leave one out? Uh, get on our Facebook page and shoot us a message and let us know. So, All right, when we come back, we're going to jump into a very interesting offering on Netflix called Jim and Andy. You're listening to The Film Coterie. So, Jim. Yes? How would you start this movie? Mm. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jim Carrey, and how are you this evening? All righty then. Finding out you have something special and it gets a reaction... That's how I got attention and love. I'd watch the stars fall silent from you. Andy Kaufman came in to turn reality on its head and not stop when the camera stopped. You, you're a- Andy Kaufman cared less about making his audience laugh than keeping them confused. He blew my mind. When I heard I had the part, I was looking at the ocean, and that's the moment when Andy came back to make his movie. Hello. What happened after was out of my control. Andy, that's enough, perfect. I don't like it. I want to do one more. Andy felt it was necessary to stay in the character. He's exactly the way Andy was. It's totally surreal. And this crazy melodrama started happening all over the place. Jimmy said they came down hard. Who's they? Universal didn't want the footage we took behind the scenes to surface so that people wouldn't think I was an asshole. Andy, you have to give me a chance to make a movie. I don't need to make a movie. I don't need to make a movie. I was thinking, how far should I take this? I see. Sound check. We are back with our second review of the evening, and that is the new Netflix exclusive, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, featuring a very special contractually obligated mention of Tony Clifton. That's a long title. I believe Netflix just says Jim and Andy, 
when you yep. pick it in your browsing catalog. Yep. And this is a documentary assembled from behind-the-scenes footage shot by Zamuda and a few other people that Jim Carrey had hired yeah. to sort of document the filming process. And here we are years later, they've assembled the footage to give us a look, a really good look, at what it was like to make this movie. And, and you know, for those of you who don't know, Andy Kaufman was a anti-comedian in the late 70s, early 80s. And he really was a genius in some sense. I mean, he he broke every single mold for entertainer. You know, if the name's not jogging, any he was on Taxi. Yes, and then his most famous thing is Standing by the Record and he played Player. Played by Lot, played Lot on Taxi, Lot Lot. Mm-hmm. Right, or Standing by the Record Player plays the Mighty Mouse theme. Oh yes, and he only sings. He mouse along to the Here He Comes to Save the Day, and that's it. He's just standing on stage silently yes. the rest of the time. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he was larger than life. He, he got into wrestling. Wrestling women. Wrestling women, yes. He played kind of a villain, like the ultimate male chauvinist mm. and um, the intergender. Yeah, had a big rundown with David Letterman where he, he got into it with... And um, Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler, you who know. Who we hung out with. Who we hung out with at, at uh, Days, Days of, of the, the Dead. Dead. Yeah. So, man, we'll have to ask him about that next time we see him, you know. Um this is a great documentary. This is this is engaging watching. You know, I, I loved. So so you have Andy Kaufman and all of his, and even his even Andy Kaufman's funeral was crazy. I mean, yes. there was a, people wonder if he really died. There was a video he played at the beginning. All kinds of crazy stuff went down around this guy. You never knew. You literally never knew when he was being serious or joking with you in character, not in character. He had an alter ego named uh, Tony Clifton, who was a chauvinist. Washed up lounge singer. Yeah, washed up lounge singer. I mean, just crazy guy. And so so Jim Carrey play, made a movie called The Man in the, Man in the Moon, playing the life story of Andy Kaufman, which I think is an amazing movie just in itself. I mean, just it was incredible to see Jim Carrey get into that character. Yeah, the original was directed. I mean, the movie's directed by Milos Forman, who's a major character yes. in this documentary. And then the documentary is a, like you said, it's a documentary of the making of that movie. It's it's really just assembled footage of what was going on behind the scenes. There's no narrator. You know, it's just kind of a view from start to finish of the making of this movie. And what's important to note, Jim Carrey was on top of the world at this point. He was at his height. Oh, yeah. He just made Truman Show. He'd done all of his comedies like Dumb and Dumber. And He'd done The he Mask. Was, he was now he earn, done, yeah. yeah, he was now H- earning H- $20 million H- yeah. a movie. Yep. This is the first time he was playing someone real. He'd always just played characters. This was his first time ever playing a real person, and he went full method. He went what tw- seven twenty four. You want to call call it full method? I, I yeah. Agree. He was never was, out of character. It was constant. Well, you know, he he starts at the, he kind of narrates this documentary sitting in a, like a director. It's interspersed chair. with a modern interview, right? Of him, and he he literally says something came down upon me, and I literally was possessed. And I became Andy Kaufman, which is, I'm sitting there rolling my eyes going, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. And then you start watching this actual footage where he's not Jim Carrey when he's on the set. And he's, like, fighting with Milos Forman. And, and like, when he's Tony Clifton, he's insulting everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a complete nightmare to work with as Tony Clifton. He's actually drunk. He would get hammered. He uh, kept the bottle of whiskey or booze in his jacket and... Yeah. Crazy. I mean, it is a crazy documentary. Did you see the part where he, like, takes a really nice vintage car and just just, rams it, kind of? 
shooting now, warehouse. Now, was he? Was he? Was he? Who was he when he was driving? That, that? was Tony Clifton. That was Tony. Tony. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's nuts. So, so man, hats off. I'm, I'm telling you right now that it, it is a fascinating watch to watch this documentary. I've seen a lot of people comment that this is actually more interesting than Man on the Moon. Even Jim Carrey himself wishes there's some way to work the footage into the movie. Him becoming Andy Kaufman. Man on the Moon is a biopic. It's paint by numbers. It is what it is. Yeah. This is far more fascinating. Oh, absolutely. I, I loved Man on the Moon. This is a whole nother level. And the weird thing is he was, while he was playing Andy Kaufman, he was method. So he'd show up all the time and said is there was no Jim. Yeah, people would say to him, tell call, Jim. call him Jim, and they, he would be like, no, I'm Andy yeah, or something or they'd like they'd that. They'd have to even ask him, go tell Jim this. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a little crazy. It I got think. weirder because Kaufman's yeah. real family. Did you see any of this? I saw a scene with his dad. Oh his gosh. dad, his brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. they had all talked to him. and He said he had phone calls with him. Oh, yeah. And it's weird. His dad tells him he's proud of him, and yeah. he gets emotional. Like he's really both of them. The dad yeah. and Jim yeah. Carrey are tearing up and crying and hugging each other. Well, and Jim Carrey has his own not issues with his dad, but his dad never saw him make it big. He, mm. he, I don't know if you know the story. He told his dad he'd write him a check, write himself a check for one million. His dad died before that happened. Right. So he did write his first million dollar check to himself, and he put it in his dad's pocket at the funeral. Wow. So I mean, a lot of layers to this film, uh, and it's it's if you get if you have Netflix, it's free. You can just yes. go watch it. Mm-hmm. I would highly ma- recommend you watch it, because um, that's method acting to the nth degree. I've ne- I've never, um, I, I mean, I've heard of other stars really getting into their roles, but it, it, that's that is just unbelievable. Daniel Day Lewis is the most famous for it because it's difficult to shoot around. He doesn't show up until he's in character, so you generally have to start shooting the movie at some point and you don't know when he's coming wow so like there will be blood uh lincoln he did show up in character finally and it's not too far into it but he doesn't leave the character until the movie's done yeah wow when he did my left foot or whatever he uh stayed in the wheelchair he had actually some issues with his legs he was in the wheelchair that much now now my question is has jim carrey He's done stuff, but where I haven't seen anything he's done lately. His most recent movie is The Bad Batch. Uh, he plays a homeless guy in the desert that has no dialogue. He's just pushing a shopping cart around. So he's choosing interesting projects. And he's painting a lot. He's, yeah. he's mainly painting and doing he's galleries painting. in New York. Wow. I, I, I kind of got the sense that he, I mean, he takes himself very seriously about his... Mm. His method and his, his process, and his stuff. process. Yeah. He's very for a comedian. I mean, even a, a you know a guy that you know, righty then you know, and all that. Like he's he's very um, serious about it, and and it gets a little to the point where, like you said, you're kind of rolling your eyes and you're going like, like okay. seriously, like you know, a beam of light came down, and what happened? And but it, yeah. it's interesting. It's, it's yeah, it's it's out there. I'm telling you. And the Lawler stuff was interesting because Lawler came back to shoot. He's a wrestler, if you don't know the name, Jerry Lawler. He originally fought with Andy in the 70s in a famous match where he threw Andy out of the ring and Andy hurt his neck and had a neck brace, was carried out on a stretcher. So they're getting ready to shoot that scene again with Lawler and Jim Carrey this time. And Carrey is egging him on. He's pushing him, making fun of him. He's actually pissing Lawler off. It's not hard to imagine that Lawler has a short temper, you know, being a wrestler. And the insurance guy said Jim couldn't do the stunt. There's no way they want their 20 million guy right. in a ring with a wrestler getting thrown around. 
and they were supposed to shoot the scene and cut. Jim pushed him and actually got, you know, like thrown out of the ring and then he faked an injury. So it was like it happened all over again. Yeah. Oh, it was wow. in the tabloids. He was on the stretcher. And then yeah. and then years later they have a reunion on David Letterman. And and that that you know, and it's like when they were shooting the man in the moon, this is this is Jim Carrey, not Andy Kaufman. They're mm-hmm. shooting this scene where there was a famous scene where uh, Jerry Lawler supposedly hits um, uh, Andy Kaufman, and that's kind of knocks him out of the chair and down knocks, the steps. Yeah, down the steps and stuff, and that's kind of the high, and everybody was like, "Was that real or was that hyped?" You know, well, Jim Carrey, you know, had been portraying Andy Co- Andy Kaufman just at Lawler, so. You know, it's it's this weird. You, you, it's weird because they're reshooting that same scene, and Jerry Lawler's thinking, well, you know, water under the bridge, whatever, this and that, and and he leans over to him right before they say action, and Jim Carrey says, "I want you to really hit me." I mean, I'm serious. Really hit me. They were supposed to cut it, you know, and put in a stunt double, and he was going to fly over. Yeah, just a near miss, usual yeah, stunt a near slap. Miss and stunt slap, and so Jerry Lawler hauls off and just whacks him. Wow. And you see it. I mean, you watch it, and he and he, he Jim Carrey goes flying out of the chair, and you're like, "That dude's crazy. Mm-hmm. That dude is crazy, man." Wow. But it's a good. I, it's fascinating watching. Now I'll say this. I mean, when you hear about this behind the scenes footage, you might think of eh, maybe it's just like a DVD behind, like an extra. This is way better than a DVD extra. This is a legit documentary. It's definitely worth watching if you're at all interested in either Man on the Moon or Andy Kaufman. I think it'd be um, one thing I found interesting was how they um, he said it was liberating to be the uh, the the lounge singer Tony Clifton Tony Clifton yeah he says it was I think he said in there somewhere that it was liberating to to walk around and, and basically be that person um, but I mean on the other hand did he go too far you know because I mean, he was a jerk to Milos Forman the director just looked like he wanted to quit I yeah. can't imagine. Oh. You have hundreds of people on the set. You're trying to get something done, and and Tony Clifton's passed out in his trailer, drunk. You know, just that nightmare to work with day in and day out. He's late. You don't know what you're getting. I mean, he literally put them through hell. Yeah, as Clifton. I would not have wanted to be on that set. No. Yeah, that's just crazy. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up for Jim and Andy, the abbreviated title. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show and talk about. Uh, what did we decide to name this last segment? What's playing? What's playing? Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to the Film Coterie. We'll be right back after the music. All right, and we're back, and this is our last segment, and this is our what's happening, what's playing, what's going on. Adam, what do we have to look forward to in the weeks to come on the Film Coterie, and also kind of what's what's in the theaters right now that people should go see? I'm going to start with what's coming up. Okay. So next week, uh, the tentative plan is to review The Disaster Artist, which is the new James Franco movie about the making of The Room. If you don't know what The Room is, you need to hop to YouTube, look up the name Tommy Wiseau, and watch some clips of the room because it's one of the worst movies ever made, and it's just a, it's it's something to behold. So I also want to point out you want to follow us on social media this weekend because I have five copies of the room to give away. You nice. can't stream this movie, you can't rent it. You have to usually go to a midnight showing somewhere to see it, but I have five official DVDs, and I'll be giving away to our followers. 
Awesome. Wow. That's going to be exciting. Uh, too bad I can't get in on some of that action. Yep, hosts are not qualified in this <laughs> Darn. competition. But we might have access. A uh, week after that, we have Star Wars. Yes, which we're very excited about. And then Christmas, which is a whole slew of great-looking movies. You know, I started looking at the December slate, and if anybody thinks this has been a slow movie year or a bad movie year, they're crazy. Because I've got like 20 films in my best of that I've got to choose 10 from right now. But here's still what's coming. Now, check this out. You mentioned The Disaster Artist, okay? But you can all, there's also The Darkest Hour that's still coming out. The Florida Project. That's uh, out, yeah. Yeah, that's out. I, Tanya, which is coming out. Lady Bird's out right now. It's supposed to be great. And it's fantastic. I can vouch for that one. The Post. Uh, Phantom Thread is coming out. The Daniel Day-Lewis's final performance. Yes, Daniel Day-Lewis's last one. The Shape of Water is coming out. The week of Star Wars here, locally. So <sighs> You know? So so there is, I mean, that's eight, nine, ten films right there that's coming out in the next month that are all, I mean, it, it, I'm telling you, any one of those films could end up on the, as a Best Picture nomination, you know? So, I, Tanya, did you say that one? Yes, I, yeah. Tanya. Oh, yeah. That would be good. Yeah, so anyway, go to the movies. You know, there's a lot of great reasons to go to the film, go see a film right now, and um, some really cool stuff out there. And if you're brave, go see Three Billboards, man. We saw it tonight, and it's very... Emotionally brave. Emotionally, emotionally brave. brave. It's very engaging. Absolutely. So, all right, Adam. How can first of all, Holly? Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, guys. This has been fun. Yes, it's been great to have your perspective and have you on the show with us tonight. And uh, um, we want you to come back sometime and do another one with great. us. Great. Thank you. I will. Absolutely. We need another horror buff. So I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And another vote. <laughs> another vote always helps me get some horror movies into the lineup. <laughs> So, Adam, how can they follow us on the social media interwebs? On the interwebs. We're most active on Facebook. We have a Facebook group called The Film Coterie. Just type that in, and you'll be there. We're on Twitter, at Film Coterie, and we're also newly on Instagram, at Film Coterie. So, as I pointed out earlier, you want to follow those this weekend to maybe score yourself a copy of The Room. Awesome. And if you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, you can find us everywhere. If you have a smartphone... Just go to your podcasting feature and type in the film coterie. We're going to come up. Yep. SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, and lots of other places. Yep. I, I keep submitting us to more and more places, and no one says no. Awesome. Well, you've been listening to the film coterie. You guys have a great week. Go to the movies, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>